Welcome to Christian Assembly, a family church. Since 1930, we've been serving the communities of Western Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia with the good news of Jesus Christ. With over 40 years of Bible teaching and ministry experience, Pastor Bill brings faith-filled revelation from God's Word. We believe with you, wherever you are, that God will inspire and change your life through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly, follow us on social media or visit our website at cafamily.net. First of all, you notice in your handout you've got this testimony there. Do you see that? And the teaching tonight is going to be based on this particular testimony. And really, it speaks to what we truly believe to be true and know to be true coming from a faith perspective. And this is one thing that's so important to all of us because, trust me, the only way we're going to walk in the fullness of our redemptive rights is by faith in the blood covenant that Jesus provided for us when he shed his blood, took it to the high court of heaven, and obtained eternal redemption for us. And so by faith, we tap into all the resources, including the fullness of the Spirit, including all the privileges and promises of the covenant, and we experience them by faith. This woman was in a place, in a position where she had like a couple of days to live, and that was it. And there was no hope in the natural world. It was absolutely, positively impossible for her to survive. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it's important to read some things so that we can get a better understanding of the notes that you have here this evening. So, uh, let's see. First of all, she says, I want to tell you about a miracle. And this miracle happened to me, so it's not hearsay. How? By one prayer after I had the correct, notice this, correct instructions about divine healing. Everything that we receive from God comes through His grace by faith. I had multiple sclerosis for more than 15 years. I could not walk around without stumbling and falling. Many times I was in a wheelchair. I often broke my bones, but I firmly believed that the Lord, now notice this, was going to heal me. Highlight that. Because that, what you'll see, was her wrong way to believe. But that's what she believed. If there is no cure for the illness, humanly speaking, it matters not. Healing comes from God, and there is nothing impossible with Him. My church did not teach divine healing, but my Bible does. Did you like that? Oh, yeah. So if your church does not teach you about divine healing, then your Bible teaches it. Isaiah 53, 5 says, With His stripes we are healed and then Isaiah 59 talks about how the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. Oh, he can hear your prayer right now. And then Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that was the one scripture that came alive to her. Did you ever have a scripture become alive to you? This was the first one that became alive to me when I read Hebrews 13, 8. I knew that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then the next paragraph, she just talks about how she read that, that God, Jehovah God, is the great I am, not the great I was or will be, but he is the great I am. He's ever present now. So the words, these words put God in the present. He has never existed in the past. He is always the God of today. Then I also read Acts 10.34 that God is not a respecter of persons. We believe that tonight, right? So he, she said, Lord if, Jesus, Lord, if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, there is no respect of persons, and by his stripes we were healed, then this is for me. And that started to open up her eyes to get a revelation of the fact that healing belongs to her. 
Now the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We receive a measure of faith when we accept Jesus as our Savior. But if we want faith to increase, this has to come through the word of God. I became more and more paralyzed. One doctor told me that the day would come when I would be completely blind, and thus it was. The optic nerves were paralyzed, leaving me completely blind. Then one day they told me not to stay alone, for before the next 24 hours would go by, I would be completely paralyzed. So it was. The ambulance came and took me to the hospital, but on the way I said to the boys that took me, You forgot something. They answered, What did we forget, Gertrude? I said, You didn't bring my shoes. Oh, they said, what in the world is a paralyzed person going to do with shoes? You can't use them. You won't need them, I said. Uh, they, I said, oh yes, I'm going to need those shoes. One of these days, the Lord is going to heal me, and I will need those shoes to get out of the hospital. I believe with all my heart that God was going to heal me, but I did not know how to appropriate my healing. Many people come uh, to pray for me. They came to pray for me, but I, fir I firmly believe that all the prayers that, that were said by my family and friends in my behalf were heard by God. When we pray in faith for someone, God hears and considers that prayer. Perhaps the answer is delayed, but it is never denied. While I was in a hospital, I had three heart attacks and one stroke. Every time they would put me under an oxygen tent, I would think, there is room for two, Jesus and I. The nurse would come and say, don't say a word, you must not waste your breath. One does not have to speak in a loud voice to Jesus. I would pray and feel his presence, and I knew the answer was on the way. This was my prayer. Lord, make me whole again. Don't just make me better, but make me entirely whole again. I remembered how Jesus asked the impotent man, Wilt thou be made whole? And I answered that question, Yes, Lord, make me entirely whole again. The Lord had to deal with me concerning many things. I had worked in the church for 25 years, and I thought I was doing pretty good. But the Lord thought otherwise. One day he said to me, do you love your neighbor like yourself all the time and all of them? I answered, no, Lord, how can I when some I don't even like? She was honest. He taught me how to love them through the love of Jesus Christ. Yes, you can love your neighbor through the love of Jesus Christ. He dwells in us and we in him. So it is possible to love others such as he loves them. The Lord also dealt with me concerning doubt, fear, and unbelief, things that I never considered as a sin. For three months, he taught me about those things that were within me that were not according to his holy will. I finally became completely paralyzed so that I could not do one thing except talk to Jesus. I knew that the Lord was with me, and when we know he is with us, we can stand all the disappointments in life. One day they covered me up with a sheet, for they thought I was gone. I could move one hand, so when they saw that move... They came and took the sheet off. I was always asking those that came to visit to bring my shoes. No one responded for everyone thought I would not need clothes or shoes. It wasn't their fault. They did not know Christ as their healer. I would say to them, bring me some shoes for when the Lord heals me, I am going to need them. One day the head doctor came to me and said, Gertrude, I would like to know your attitude about yourself. The night before I'd suffered much thirst and spasm produced thirst and they would not give me water at night for fear that I would swallow my tongue. Now came the question. I want to know your attitude about yourself. I asked him, do, do, does he want me to be honest? Did he want an honest answer? Or if he wanted me to joke? He said, I want an honest answer. So I answered, I do not see myself lying here less than a human being. Then he said, well, how do you see yourself? I said, I see myself walking with shoes on. 
Oh, he said, I am sorry I ever asked that question, you that question. That will never be, you will never be different from what you are now. So I answered, according to you, I will never be different. But you have not considered my Lord. One of these days he is going to heal me and I will walk with shoes on. His answer was, oh, that is your imagination. He thought that for he did not believe the Bible. But I know that God gave me a faith vision concerning myself walking just as he gave Abraham a vision when he was to go into a far country. I was tired of being in that room in the hospital. And one day I asked the nurse if I could, uh, if they would take me outside and put me in, under a tree. For I knew there were trees out in the yard, having been in the hospital many times before when I was in a wheelchair. They called for the head nurse and said, Gertrude, do you realize that uh, if we were to take you outside, we would have to have enough men to carry your bed, you bed, and, your bed and all? No, uh, don't you think that's unreasonable? Yes, I answered, and I withdrew my request. But then one day a woman came into my room, Beatrice by name, and asked me, do you believe that God can heal you and do you want me to pray? I answered yes to both questions and she said a short prayer and left. She was leaving the room. An audible voice said to me, I sent this woman to you. I was frantic for I had no way of knowing what the woman looked like for I was blind. So I called on the person in the next bed and asked them to call this woman. When she was by my bed, I said to her, God spoke to me and said that he sent you to me. Beatrice said, I am so glad you called me back. I was in my home in Maryland when God spoke to me and asked me to come to Las Vegas, Nevada and visit all the incurable wards and ask people if they wanted me to pray for them. He added that one day a woman would say to me that God sent me to her. I was getting tired of getting a cold shoulder as I went around asking, do you believe God can heal you and do you want me to pray? Oh, I'm so happy that Beatrice obeyed God and traveled from one end of the country to the other to do his will. Once she knew who she was to pray for, she started to fast without food and water. In spite of that terrible heat, she obeyed our Lord. Every evening she would come to the hospital and pray for me, and every day I was worse. She found me on July 1st, and three nights after that, on July 4th, she was uh, told that my grandson, who lived in the same city, had been called and asked to make arrangements to take care of my body. When she got to my bedside, she asked, Do you still believe that God can heal you? My answer was yes, she asked. She asked, even now? Again, my affirmative answer. This time she asked, Do you realize that this is the last opportunity it has to be now or never? My answer was yes, I know this. Beatrice then said, if I bring you a glass of cold water and place it, it here beside your bed, you believe that you would drink it? If you would drink it, it would quench the terrible thirst you have? Oh, I said, that is easy to believe. She said, now if I bring the glass of cold water and place it here by your bed, but you do not drink it, would, it, uh, it, would you still believe that it would quench your thirst, but you would still be thirsty because you didn't drink the water, though you believed. That is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but there is no contact of faith. It is necessary that you accept your healing in a definite way, even as you accepted Christ as your personal Savior. There are many sinners who believe that Jesus died for their sins and was resurrected from the dead, but they remain sinners because they don't accept salvation for themselves. That is what you are doing with healing. You believe that God can heal you, but it is necessary that you take this healing right now. That is true faith. 
Oh, God knows the intentions of our heart. He knows our spiritual condition. He knows our spiritual stature. He knows if we truly believe in his greatness and power. Beatrice told me to raise my hands and pray. I lifted up my heart to God and raised one finger that I could move and said to the Lord, Lord, I take my healing this moment. You notice the difference between God is going to heal me and I'm taking it now. I take my healing this moment. I take it like water. I accept it. I believe, but I am afraid. Of a truth, there is no room for fear. Fear indicates unbelief. I said to God, I'm afraid that you will ask me of something that I'm unable to do. I fear that I'm not capable of fulfilling that which you would ask me. Then uh, the Lord then spoke to me in an audible voice and said, Go and say that God healed you. Go to those that believe in divine healing and go to those who do not. Those who mock and scorn and tell them that God healed you. I then answered, Yes, Lord, I will go. It was at this point that I saw Jesus standing by the side of my bed. And when I saw Jesus, I could see the entire room. Jesus had restored my sight. I must say here that when I say I saw Jesus, I saw all except his face, which was but a very bright light. Then the Lord touched me and with the tip of his fingers and healed me completely. Many have asked, what did you feel? I will tell you that I felt a fire started to go from my head all through my body and my body had been like ice. The divine heat circulated all through my body and I started to feel my bones crack for my muscles were like cement. My hands and feet were all twisted. My body was a, a big arch. My head and feet touching the bed, but the rest of my body in the air. My bones ached as the Lord was straightening them, but it did not matter about the pain for my eyes were on Jesus. When we have our eyes on Jesus, pain doesn't matter. He told me many things that night. He ordered me to stay in the hospital three days and three nights that I might testify to all that God had healed me and speak about salvation in him. Then said to me, I'm not returning. I am not returning you to your old life. You cannot live your own life anymore. I am loaning your life to you that you might testify about me. I will take care of you. So I know I'm living on borrowed time, but that doesn't matter. The important thing is that I obey him. And then as you read the rest of the testimony, you'll find out that uh, people were passing out, fainting. The nurses were fainting in the uh, room, the hospital that she was at. Um, and even the administrator didn't know what to do with her. Wouldn't even look at her for three, three, three times that she came to see him. But you could read the rest of it for yourself. But it was important to understand that here a woman went from believing that God was going to heal her sometime in the future. And because of that perspective, she wasn't receiving anything from the Lord. But the Lord sent this woman to go and tell her, you've got to make an appointment to receive it now. You've got to receive it now. Not tomorrow, not the next day, but now. So in your notes, we understand Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6. We can read this over and over again. But for it to become a realization, we've got to understand what we just heard. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Everybody that was in contact with her was leaning on their own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. And so she got that path of her life directed by Beatrice who came and told her, look, you've got to believe you receive it at some point. You've got to stop pointing to the future and saying that he's going to heal me someday. You've got to say, this is the day I accept and receive my healing. She didn't know that. So when she says, when I heard the doctor say there is no cure, is your first word, I turned to God for my healing. Okay, this is what she said. In Isaiah chapter 38, verses 1 through 5, you could look it up at some point. Hezekiah turned exclusively to God when he, by the prophet, uh, when told by the prophet to set his house in order. 
you should know the story. If you don't, you can read it in Isaiah chapter 38. Hezekiah did a few things. Number one, he turned. He turned. Secondly, he prayed. And thirdly, he wept. God heard his prayers. God saw his tears. And God added 15 years to his life. Point two, learning how to accept my healing was a long process. As God patiently dealt with me through his word. Keep those thoughts right there in your mind for a moment. I don't know about you, but I know about me. I wanted to go to heaven, but I didn't know how to get there. And then I was so religiously taught that when people came up to me after crying out to God and saying, help me to get to heaven, and said, you must be born again to make heaven, I looked at the person and said, you're a lunatic. Goes to show you what human nature is all about, what human, the human mind is all about, human thinking is all about. It took me two years to get saved. I had to sift through all the religious teaching that I was taught. I had to recognize and realize that Jesus really meant what he said about being born again. But it took me two years to process this, to get through all this, to go, oh dear Lord, I see it now. Why am I saying that? It took her a long time to get to a place where she could receive her healing. I know we all want it instantly, we all want it immediately, but there may be a lot of things in us that God has got to deal with, and especially one of which was in her life, what? Her misunderstanding of how faith works. But there were many other things. She wasn't walking in love, she wasn't living in faith, and the list goes on and on. So there are many things that sometimes need to be adjusted, but the problem with that is this, too often we don't want to hear what we need to change. We don't want to receive sometimes what needs to be done. But you see, it's important that we recognize the same Jesus that healed her two days before she was to be dead, according to the medical field, is still here today for us. Okay, under point A, Luke 5, 17 to 24, once again, read it later. Here's this man's sin who was born of four and let down to the ceiling towel. This man... Uh, his sin had to be dealt with first. Under point B, all the qualifications she lacked, this woman lacked, Gertrude lacked, came under one heading, unbelief. Unbelief. She had to learn how to believe. She had to learn how uh, to put Jesus first. She had to learn to lay aside, are your next two words, many things including other gods, not loving her neighbor enough, and not forgiving fully. Did we get all those words? Anybody need to repeat? Why is this important? Because these things can short-circuit the power of God, no matter how powerful the God is in manifestation it can be short-circuited if we have unforgiveness and bitterness, unbelief and doubt and fear and worry and anxiety. All those things can short-circuit the power of God. And also if we have impatience, it can short-circuit it. Under point D, the woman that I talk about with bitterness had to put it away before healing came to her. The woman with pride had to humble herself before healing could come. 
all these things under Isaiah 59 that talks about it's not me not reaching out to you and not hearing you. It's because there's a situation that needs to be dealt with before I can. Under number three, I asked God where I had limited him as he continued bringing scripture to my memory, I realized I was keeping him out of the present. I was keeping him out of the present. You're going to heal me. He's going to heal me. She kept him in the future, not in the present. I am healed by your stripes, and I call myself healed by your stripes. In Psalm 78, you can read it again later. The unlimited abilities of God can be limited as far as what we allow him to do for us in life. His power is unlimited. His abilities are unlimited. But we can limit what he can do in our lives by unbelief and by all these things we just talked about. So we could set up boundaries for him that he can't cross over. Why? Because we're not cooperating with him. Now, it wasn't until she received the, her diagnosis that she began reading and studying about healing in the Bible. She didn't even begin. And many don't. Many in church circles don't. I'm telling you right now, even do an in-depth study on divine healing and how to receive it. And so there, you can't have faith without studying God's word. One way she limited God was by not knowing how to accept healing. This is point C. She didn't know she had to do something. Do you remember John 9 and go wash in the pool of Siloam? Remember Romans 4, call things that be not as though they were? D, point D, another way was her unbelief. Lord, I don't have any unbelief, she said. But he showed her and she said, help my unbelief. It's something when we ask him to shine the light of his scrutiny upon our lives, how it's so much more different than how we see ourselves. He could pull some things out of the closet that maybe we've kept hidden there for quite some time. Would you agree to that? Yeah. And some things that we just let go and don't even think about dealing with. The woman I told you with bitterness was for a long period of time left undealt with. So he helped her unbelief. And John 3.16 tells us believing, not agreeing is required for salvation. Does it not? How many of you know that it's easy to agree that Jesus died for our sins? I said a prayer for 24 years of my life that if I understood it, I could be saved by it. But all I was doing was reciting something I was taught to recite. It didn't mean anything to me. Yes, that I believe Jesus died for my sins? Absolutely. I agreed to it. I agreed he rose again. We could agree to everything that we've been taught about redemption. But agreeing with it is not believing it and receiving it or experiencing it in our lives. I know for 24 years I was not born again, even though I said this particular prayer many, many, many times. It wasn't until someone showed me the need for me to connect with God by faith and believe in the finished work of Christ and ask him to become my Savior and my Lord with an understanding of what this salvation means that it took place in my life. So point E, another way was putting her healing in the future. 
Second Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Now is the appointed time. Now is the time for salvation. Salvation means deliverance, healing, preservation, wholeness, and all that. So now is the appointed time for healing. Now, right now. And she had to get to a place where she said, Okay, it's now or never. Now. I'm making a decision to leave the future and come into the present and say, Now I'm receiving my healing. And we see this in first, uh, okay, another hindrance was not loving people the agape way. In 1 John chapter 3, you can read that again for yourself. He's just talking about that if we have in our hearts anything that we're condemned by, then God's greater than our hearts. Thank God that he is and he knows all things. If our heart condemn us not, then what? We have confidence toward God. God wants us to love as he loved us. And this is agape or divine love. And she wasn't loving that way. And so she was taught by Jesus that this is not right. This is blocking your healing. G, another way involved her attitude. Her attitude. In Acts chapter 9, Saul had to submit to God's way. Paul was very zealous for God. But he had no knowledge. He was against the work of Christ. And he was going about trying to destroy the work of Christ. But when he really saw Jesus, got a glimpse of Jesus, what happened? He had a heart change. So I had to submit to God's way, not his way. His way got him blind. God's way made him whole. Well, in Philippians 4.13, you know the verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. She had to learn to look to God, not herself. There is no I in God's alphabet. There is no I. Point four, now I can see the cross. My physical sight had given way to my spiritual sight. That is huge. My physical sight gave way to my spiritual sight. It's something she couldn't see physically, but boy, her eyes got open spiritually, didn't they? She saw some things she had never seen before, working 25 years in the church she had never seen before, never understood before, never embraced before. But all of a sudden now, she sees some things, many things about a subject that she was absolutely ignorant of because she wasn't taught in her church. Notice what she said for 25 years. My church never taught on divine healing. Can you imagine that? Never taught about it. Well, how are people supposed to understand it or have faith in it or receive it? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You don't hear it, you have no faith. That's basically the bottom line. Under point A, when she talked about what Jesus did in the Gospels, she was talking about the past. When she said God was going to heal her, she was talking about the future. Never did she realize God is the I am, not I was. Or faith is now, not in the future. Her whole spiritual perception changed. Her perspective changed. She saw something in, with her spiritual understanding and eyes that she had never seen before. Under point B, she came to realize she is forgiven, not going to be forgiven. She is healed, not going to be healed. And it was up to her to do her part to make it happen. Are you saved? 
You're saved because one day you made Christ your Savior. The same thing is true with healing. I'm making you my healer now. Lord, I believe under point five, I will accept this healing for myself. And now, now, Lord, right now, I accept this healing for myself. She accepted Jesus as her Savior. She accepted the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The message was made clear. The method was to receive her healing by faith. And the moment came and she accepted her healing now. Notice under point C those three words. The message was made clear. The method was to receive her healing by faith. The moment came when she accepted her healing now. Those three things are so important. The message will never change. The message is always the same. It is the gospel message. It is the word that is eternal. Jesus said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never, ever, ever in any way pass away. It is timeless. It is eternal. It is truth. And it is forever. It will never, ever change in any way. When God says, what I've spoken out of my mouth, I will not change or alter my word. When I make a covenant, I will not change or alter my word in any way, shape, form, or fashion. The message is always the same. And what is the message? Jesus bore our sin, sickness, carried our pains, mental anguish, and disease on Calvary's cross. He paid the price. He suffered the wrath of God. It was all placed on him. And when Jehovah, his father, placed on him, not just the iniquity of us all, but the stripes upon his back, it was so that we could be whole in spirit, in soul, and in body. That is the message. And that message will never change. And you realize that's the only reason why you and I will have glorified bodies? He made provision for us in spirit, in soul, and body. Aren't you glad that one day you're never going to forget what you came into the kitchen for? Yeah. Have you done that? You walk up, I just, one day I'm walking up my upstairs, I walk, walk into my closet, I go, what am I doing here? I forgot what I was there for. I'm not the only one that does that. That's happened to you sometimes? Yeah. One day we'll know exactly what we went to the kitchen for. <laughs> and we'll never have that moment ever again in our lives. Thank God. Because we're going to have such a wonderful mind. That's absolutely complete. We'll know as we are known. And then these bodies of ours that sometimes have aches and pains and so on will be glorified and never subject to any pain, any anguish, any disease or sickness. None of that stuff. Completely gone. The message never changes. But now the method does. There's different methods. Jesus healed, what, five blind men five different ways? Think about that. The method could be different. So what, does he what has he told you to do? She was told how to receive her healing. How was it? By faith right now. Believe you receive it right now. That's what you do. If he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam, what are you supposed to do? Go wash in the pool of Siloam. If he says, go dip in the river Jordan seven times, what are we supposed to do? Go dip seven times. The method might be different. How about the one that he really publicizes and highlights in, in the Gospels where he found someone in, who was deaf and dumb and he spit on them? Yeah. 
Can you imagine advertising that? No. Putting a video together? Come to our healing service. The pastor's going to spit on you. <laughs> Ooh. Yuck. He spit and touched his tongue. <laughs> and he was made whole. He was made whole. <laughs> the method can be different. He cast out a devil with his word. Right? Take up your bed and walk. And so on. It goes on and on. So the method can change. So whatever he tells us to do, we are to do. And, but the moment came and she accepted her healing now. So there's the message, there's the method, and there's the moment. The woman with the issue of blood, she heard the message. You touch his garment and you'll be healed because many are doing it. The method was revealed as well. He's the healer and he's healing everybody. That's the message. And if you touch his garment, that's the method, you'll be whole. So what does she do? She pulls herself together. She gets herself up. She leaves her little cottage and she finds her way to Jesus. And she sets aside everything that could have deterred her along the way. And she just says, I am gung-ho. I am going to touch his garment. And when I do, I will be whole. There is no shadow of a doubt in her mind. The Amplified says she kept saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. And you wonder why she kept saying it? She kept saying it because I'm sure there was opposition coming against her mind. Trying to do what? To get her to doubt. To have unbelief. To get her full of anxiety and worry and concern and all that. And can you imagine when she first saw the crowd thronging Jesus and there she was and she knew she was unclean and she had to touch his garment. Can you imagine what was going through her head at that time? So she just kept overpowering all the thoughts that were coming against her mind and said, I'll touch him and I'll be whole. When I touch him, I'll be whole. When I touch him, I'll be whole. When I touch him, I'll be whole. Forget all that other stuff. When I touch him, she took responsibility for the touch herself. I will be made whole. That's confidence. And she believed it. She touched him. And it was like electricity. It was so powerful that Jesus said, who touched me? People are touching you from every direction, Lord. What are you talking about? No, somebody made a demand Upon my ability, somebody drew from my body the healing anointing. Who was it? And she fell down and told all the truth. It took her so long, Jairus' daughter died. A long testimony. As he was on his way down to her. But of course, he, didn't, he, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to raise her up. didn't matter. But this woman told him all the truth. That's how we know the story. She narrated the whole thing. I mean, imagine what all the truth really was. We only get bits and pieces of it. I might have been 12 years old and this all started. Maybe I was around 13. And this issue of blood began. And I never stopped bleeding. Not one day. It was horrible. I was so desperate. I went everywhere I possibly could to get help. As a matter of fact, as I got older, I spent every resource that I have and I was nothing better Lord I rather grew worse I suffered so much from many physicians you can't even imagine it and I shared with you many times the things she suffered from physicians I remember physicians back then not like today everything she had to do was crazy things that you would never submit yourself to like sitting over over an open fire in a trough where they threw in these 
particular uh, branches from leaves and lit the fire. And there she was sitting on top of it with a glass of wine in her hand. And supposedly this whatever combination of the wine and the, and the, the branches that were burning were supposed to help her recover. And they, were, they were, and they were to say to her, recover from your bloody flux or bloody uh, issue. And I mean, they're crazy stuff. She had to take a concoction of all these different drinks and all that and mix it with her wine. And she went through all this and spent all that she had. And I'm sure there was inflation. I believe it was inflated. I do believe that what they did was charge her so much until they just absolutely took all her resources. To no avail. And you can say one thing, at least if she got healed, it might be worth it. But she didn't. But then she heard of Jesus. I, that impresses me. Does that impress you? People hear of Jesus every day. But no, no, no. She heard of Jesus. This penetrated her spirit. She heard with spiritual ears. And when she heard that, she was on the right track. The fast track to Jesus. And there wasn't one thing that would deter her from getting to him. You know how many obstacles we have in our society today, in our culture today, in religion today. We got to fight with, with uh, what is being taught on the radio, taught on television, taught in churches and all that. Healing is not for today. That went away with the apostles. Healing is not for everybody because you never know if you're going to get it. Healing is not the will of God for everybody. And you just got all this that we've been programmed with that we've got to get out of our lives to finally get to a place to really believe that he does want me well. He does want me whole. You could be worn out by the time you get there. And again, it took me two years to get saved because I wasn't thinking right. I could have got saved the first time I heard it, right? The same thing with healing. The same thing is with healing. A lot of times people don't get it because they don't get it. And I understand it because that's not the way we live. We don't live the way the Bible teaches us to live by faith. We live by our sense, knowledge, evidences. For the most part, we're governed by them. And then when you tell someone, I remember, I remember this was when I was in high school and I was, I was dating this girl. I was over her house and her father said to me one day, can you believe these crazy Christians? They actually think you could lay hands on somebody and they can get healed. Can you believe that? And I'm like, I never heard of such a thing. Never. You never heard of that? No, no. I never heard anybody try that or say that. Oh, yeah, they're on TV. You can see them on TV. And they would just go on and on and just mock and laugh and all this sort of thing. These people are so crazy. They actually think they can lay hands on somebody and they can get healed. And, of course, I chimed in with them and said they must be crazy. And, of course, what was my next comment? Well, what do we have doctors for? So, you see, you're limited in understanding. You don't really understand and know what we need to know. But the day come, I came that I found myself laying hands on people to get healed. And guess what? It worked. It worked. My daughter being one of them. So it's important that we recognize the fact that there is a message, there are methods, and there is that moment. You know what? I do believe because of her sincerity of heart, that moment came for her. Jesus is going to heal me. Helped her get to where she knew what she, need to he what she needed to hear. Okay. Under point, D is it D? Yeah. 
she was ready to declare the works of the Lord. Remember what he said to her? It's like you're living on borrowed time right now. You live for me. You go tell everyone that I healed you. Read the rest of the testimony. Um, she walked into one of the areas of the, I think it was either a nursing home that she was in or a hospital that she was in. And when she walked in, nurses just fainted. They saw her and fainted. They knew the condition that she was in. This woman's supposed to be dead in two days. And they just fainted. And then others were afraid <laughs> to be around her, thinking she was a ghost of some sort. But that administrator, boy, I'll tell you what, he was just hard-nosed at first. It took three tries to get that man to turn around and face her. And he said, if I see that you, if it is really you, I've got to change everything. And guess what he did? And he became a believer. But she was ready to live her life to declare the works of God. Means what? I want to be well so I could be used by him to advance his kingdom. Not so that I can do something on my own. When we ask under point six the Lord to help our unbelief, are we sincere and open to whatever it is that he calls for us to change or address? To change or address. Look at the first thing here. Pride. Is it getting in the way? I remember telling a couple one time, your pride is stopping you from receiving healing. What do you mean by that? How can you say that? We, so we can be very easily insulted, right? How can you insult me like that? How can you say I'm prideful? Well, just to comment that the, like this. If you, ever, if you ever hear yourself saying it or... You, someone else that you're talking to saying it, when I said, Matthew 8, 17 says, and I began to quote it, himself took our infirmities and bare it. I know that. I couldn't even get the rest of it out. I know that. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5 say, I know that. Jeremiah 30, verse 17 says, I know that. There's a difference between, I know that, and I know that. I said, no, 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 no. If you knew that, it means you would experience it. This is not intellectual knowledge. This is spiritual revelation. If you knew it, you would embrace it. You see, if we don't study the word like we're doing here tonight, you've got knowledge that remains. But that doesn't mean faith does. Faith comes by hearing it over and over again. Knowledge is retained, but faith diminishes if we don't feed our faith constantly on this subject. And that's a fact. So it's important that we hear it over and over again. So pride says, yeah, we may know that, but that doesn't mean you have faith in it. Faith means it's alive in me. I don't just intellectually know it. It's alive in me. Point B, bitterness was an issue. That could be a problem. I shared with you how I addressed that subject with someone and they got rid of it and God instantly healed. Point C, forgiveness, and uh, whether it's for yourself or others. Now, let's just say, okay, let's say you forgive others, but do you forgive yourself? Do I forgive myself? When I see my shortcomings and faults and all that and I look into a mirror and I just say, Lord, I let you down or whatever, am I ready to forgive myself? We love others as we love ourselves, we're told. Right? Love your wife exactly like you love yourself, like your own flesh, like your own body. Well, do you forgive yourself? We can forgive others, but do I forgive myself when I miss it? Because if I don't, the devil uses it and condemns me. 
and then I don't have any confidence toward God. Okay, so it might mean that I've got to make an adjustment here. What about the love walk? Am I really walking in divine love and really loving as he wants me to love other people? What about vision? How do I see myself? Talk about, let's say, my future. Do I see myself sickly? Do I see myself not getting better? Do I see myself being overcome and overwhelmed? And it's just, I don't see myself coming out from beneath it. If I see myself that way... I'm painting a picture of my future. I'm painting a picture of how I think I'm going to be. And you know, all our lives where we hear all this, you're over the 50 years old, you're over the hill, etc., etc. Well, you know what? We've got to change the vision that we have of ourselves. I shared with you on Sunday how a man was taken to heaven and Jesus spoke to him and told him that you need to change what you're saying about yourself. Because your words are basically outlining your future and your destiny. My word says in death and t life and death are in the power of the tongue. You've got to change what you're saying, how you're talking about yourself. That's something he had to do. Murmuring kept him out of the promised land. Study healing. We've got to, we should read. I remember Kenneth Hagin saying, and I couldn't understand it, because I was just young and new in the Lord, and I thought, you know, this guy is so much in the things of God. He had eight, seven visions, eight visions of heaven, and he was with Jesus so many times and all that. He should know. He knows. He knows. He knows. Well, guess what? He said, I read F.F. Bosworth's book on healing every year, once a year, thoroughly, to feed my faith. Paul himself said, if I don't take care of my body, I'll become a castaway. In other words, I've got to do what I've got to do. Unbelief will, will obviously interfere. If we've got to change something with that, what do I really believe? And how do I know if I'm in unbelief? Listen to yourself talk. Record yourself sometime. It'll frighten you. You know that. It'll frighten all of us. I really say that. Yeah, you really said that. And then what about impatience? It's, you know what? If, if, Hebrews 6.12 said, we know that through unbelief and impatience, people inherit the promises. No. If un, through unbelief and impatience, people inherit the promises, we would be inheriting all the promises of God in a heartbeat, right? But he said, no, no, it's through faith and patience we inherit the promises of God. Amen? This woman got that kind of a miracle because she changed her attitude. She was willing to submit and surrender. She was willing also to receive uh, correction from the Lord and then say, you know what? I'm embracing that. I'm doing whatever it takes. And she did it. And this woman who should have been dead within two days in a horrible situation was completely made whole. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together before the Lord.